Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grantling. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we have a special guest coming up, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I feel like it's time to do a show just full of takes. Like the takiest takes oh. about the the takiest players, and I think the takiest players in the league coming into 2022 here are the second-year quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I just, uh, over at SI.com, have a column up on predicting, well, reasonable expectations for second-year quarterbacks. Um, I looked back at we were going to do rookie quarterbacks every year and so I did these quarterbacks as rookies back when I thought Trey Lance was going to change the world and um, the rookies this year were so bad that I just did the 2021 class again with the addition of Kenny Pickett who I hope doesn't play this year <laughs> alright well listen we, we don't want any reasonable takes or expectations or anything like that you, you just gotta, you gotta fire off these guys are either uh, future Hall of Famers or absolutely atrocious and <laughs> to help us out with this we are going to bring in charles mcdonald of underdog net sorry Ooh. charles is it the underdog network or is it just underdog network no it's not ohio state it's just okay. underdog. i just call it underdog fantasy i don't know the the, the network part says all right me. but uh well. yeah underdog fantasy got good good <laughs> stuff going on over it's there. it's underdog something uh <laughs> and also charles hosts the exemplist podcast which uh which this week features connor orr very exciting. 
This is yeah. a very incestuous week of yeah, uh, it is. Charles McDonald <laughs> MMQB crossover content. Yeah, we had a we had a nice little therapy session yesterday about you know time covering the Jets, which is you know different and bad for every person I think that goes through it. But we're not talking about that today. You can go listen to the example if you want to hear those stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got we got a little bit of Zach Wilson in this show, and yeah. I don't know you guys you guys together span like a decade of Jets football. So sad. Don't say something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm already dealing oh. with my own crappy team. Like I don't want. I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> from from the I terrifying know. lows to the somehow lower lows, the past yeah. decade of Jets football. Can you imagine just like being on your deathbed and then someone just being like, "Yeah, Connor, Connor remembered a lot of bad Jets football." Like that would be something that someone would say about you, and then it would just be like, "Oh man." What a yeah. gut punch. <laughs> I am not looking forward to my funeral, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so we are going to run through the six significant second-year quarterbacks. I wanted to do, like, all this. Like, I want to do, like, Shane Bouchel and, like, Felipe Franks, but I, I think we're just going to stick to the <laughs> six guys. Oh, we can get to Felipe here. Franks later. <laughs> oh, that's right. We are going to do some sad State of the Falcons uh, work at, toward the end of the show, but uh, let's do the six guys who we expect to, I don't know, see the field in 2022 at the very least and we're starting with trevor lawrence who uh, look just just fire off the takes i am uh still very much uh, sitting near the front of the trevor lawrence bandwagon here uh i think it's a recovery year coming off of urban meyer probably resets the whole whatever his developmental timeline is he's like a pre-rookie again but uh i have no significant worries about him and i don't know how you guys feel about it yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't really know. I mean, because I, I feel like if you most teams that go through what the Jaguars went through last year, and I guess it did crush them. I'm like, that would be really crushing. Like, I don't. How are you supposed to get up for football every Sunday when every week like there's another report about your coach doing something terrible that's distracting from like your preparation during the week? So I, I, I thought like what was interesting to me. I thought after Urban got canned like towards the last mm-hmm. month of the season, I think that last game. Uh, against the Colts that they won, you start yeah. to see. Oh, okay, this is what the Jaguars draft. Like, <laughs> we just we just had to get the you know the anchor that smells like feces and a, a dumpster fire away from our shining jewel. And you know, I, I think like whatever you think about Doug Peterson and how that time ended in Philadelphia, he's obviously like a massive upgrade compared to what they had last season. So I'm, I'm still in the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon. I think his you know the the tape looked better than some of his numbers did. Uh, I feel the same way about another quarterback in this group, so we'll get to that later. But I'm still very much in on the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon. So I like I thought a reasonable, reasonably good season for Trevor Lawrence would be if he started all 17 games, if he was healthy, about 63% completion rate, 22 touchdowns, less than 15 interceptions. I think you call that. I think you call that a pretty significant win. Uh, I don't know if their firepower is such that he could even contend for the rookie touchdown passing record if he wanted to. Um, but what's, and Charles makes a good point about Doug Peterson. You could say whatever you want about Doug, but what Doug is going to do is just run whatever Trevor Lawrence wants to run, right? I mean, teams in the NFL weren't super RPO heavy until they watched Carson Wentz at North Dakota state. And we're like, yeah, let's just run this offense. This looks good. And they plugged it in and it seemed to take the NFL by storm. Carson Wentz was comfortable with it. I think they're going to run a lot of Clemson stuff. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine with that. And I think that they will literally just take the 
like the canisters of film from last year and just torch it like the theater in Inglorious Bastards. Just set the whole thing on fire and let it uh, let it go. It was a dark analogy, I guess, uh, but. Um, <laughs> It's interesting, like, you know, you're kind of poking around and you're thinking, what can the Jaguars do with last year's tape? What is What can the current coaching staff do with last year's tape? And one of the things that I heard was nothing. Like, we can't do anything with it, right? Uh, you throw it away. You just get rid of it. You evaluate him like he was a rookie coming out of college. You just ignore the fact that last year happened, and you start over. And I think that probably makes the most sense for them. How, uh... How underwhelmed would we have been had the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson a year earlier, like coming off that mm. Eagles season? Because now it's kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, they, they have a professional uh, football coach running the organization now. Uh, I'm like, you know, Kiki McGee or whatever. Uh, Urban Meyer was. <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny because it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like they'll, they'll have a, a playbook that looks like something out of the NFL. And, you know, they have a couple of, new guys who can contribute christian kirk is a is a firm contributor to an offense i don't know if he's a star but uh it's just kind of like yeah this looks more like an nfl organization all of a sudden i I think doug's a good coach uh i i mean maybe this is just like my own tainted glasses of rooting for one of the worst teams in the league but i look at like the like the last few years of doug peterson i'm like man i would kill for that (laughs) That seems great. Even even if it ends in like in in fire and brimstone and Doug's like, I'm tired of all y'all. I need to go take a sabbatical for a year. Look, I I still think he did a good job. Uh, And I think that Doug is honestly like a pretty good person to have for a a young quarterback just because he's had success with, you know, a handful of guys going back to his days with the Chiefs. And then, you know, the quarterbacks that the Eagles were trying to develop while he was there. Uh, I think this is I think this is a good landing spot, even if they had hired him like a year ago, because I think it it's like too soon to be out on Trevor Lawrence a talent, and then last year was just such a dis- disaster with whatever was going on uh, in the organization, off the field, on the field, it was just terrible. So uh, I I'm 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 kind of in on like all this for the long term. I don't know like how long Doug's gonna last there, but I think just for like getting a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback off the ground and trying to get them to be a productive player. I thought I thought that that would make a lot of sense. I love Doug Peterson at the Combine this year. I mean, so Philly is, for those who don't know, the most ruthless football market in America. Coaching yes. there is harder than coaching in any other place because the reporters are very good at their jobs, excellent at their jobs, but also just completely tough, brutal, like um, – and – he did his first press conference at the Combine this year, and the first question to him as Jaguars coach was from a Philly reporter just saying, hey, Doug, did you learn from all the mistakes you made in Philadelphia? <laughs> and Got a Super Bowl he, ring. The only one? He, he laughs, and that's what he said. He's like, do you mean winning the Super Bowl? Like, I, I do feel like a lot of people forget that, like, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, like, three years ago. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles after Nick moving Foles, up from Carson yeah. Wentz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, was a lot of that Frank Reich? Sure. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And when you removed him from the equation, stuff started to get a little slippery. But that is also <clears> – that is an organization that, for the better and for the worse, fires coaches unceremoniously. Like, I mean, they got rid of Andy Reid, um, Chip Kelly, who 
I mean, listen, I'm going to stand on the table for this guy as long as I live. Uh, and I know I know it's a blind spot. I know it's a blind spot, and I will fight, but I'm going to fight to the death. But he went like 10 and 6 two years in a row, and then he got fired at 7 and 9. Like, it was it was not a bad season. Or seven. I think he was 7 and 8 at the time, and then they fired him with like two weeks to go mm. in the season. Doug Peterson got fired two years after winning the Super Bowl. And, like, they do keep finding good coaches, but... I think Doug's going to be fine. He's going to be in a great place. He's going to have a nice tan. He's going to be. He's going to be. In, he's going to be a better man. All right. Let's go on to uh, Zach Wilson here. Who uh, you can still squint and uh, and see Zach Wilson as you know a, a big time traits guy and that sort of thing. The most bizarre thing for me about Zach Wilson a year ago was. He should be a guy who plays really well out of structure, considering the, you know, the flexibility, the arm talent, all that stuff. And he's tended to, the longer the down went on, the more he tended to kind of, meltdown is probably overstating it, but like the number of times where he like sort of got outside the pocket and he's got someone open four steps in front of him and he like fires it into their feet, like there were just so many of those moments. And I don't know if that's just a matter of, like, you know, uh, calming down, getting used to the uh, <laughs> the kind of havoc that happens on an NFL field. You know, certainly coming out of BYU where he's playing in all those wide-open spaces uh, and jumping to the NFL, that was a big adjustment. But I don't know. I don't know if that's correctable. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a problem or not. I don't know. I don't know what Zach Wilson's deal is, I guess, is where I kind of land on this. Yeah, Zach was weird because like he had like he was built as a traits guy, like you said, but he didn't always like I, honestly he didn't even show up like most of the time while yeah. <laughs> when he was on the field. I and the the weirdest plays to me, and he had a lot of them this year, where it would be like a swing pass or a screen and just turfing it at the guy's feet. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're yeah. that's like some Pee Wee crap. Can I? I don't know if I can cuss <laughs> on here, so I'm just not going to. Uh, <laughs> almost caught myself. I. Yeah, it, it was just bizarre because, he, like you said, he's still this bit this guy with a big arm, mobile. But that I feel like it only really showed out a, a handful of times last season. Like there's the play uh, to beat Tennessee, I think, in overtime where he had a big throw at the end mm-hmm. that was nice. And then there was another another game like later in the season where he had a big run to help the win. But just overall, I just wanted to see like more flashes from him, and I didn't feel like we quite got that. And even if like the Jets had. The situation last year where the you know, the the supporting cast wasn't great. Michael Flores still did a decent enough job calling plays. Like Mike White had success, so you would hope that like the number two overall pick would be able to come and replicate some of the same things. And Mike White, like he the games that he played, like one of the one of them was against the Colts. Their defensive coordinator just got hired by the Bears to be their head coach. So you know it, it's not like you know he's out there cutting up against the Falcons or something like that. It's it's a it's a quality opponent. So. I don't know. I just would like to see more production from Zach because I think he has the physical talent to do it. But there are just a lot of times to me where he looked kind of out of place. And that would be a little bit worrying to me in terms of like, all right, we know the ceiling on Zach is high, but what if the floor is a lot lower than we thought it was? It's a, it's always an interesting <clears throat> it's always an interesting situation when you bring in the guy's private quarterbacks coach midseason, which the Jets did last year. Um, that, you know, John Beck was essentially a, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, associate quarterbacks coach to Rob Calvary's. And we might see more of that, the more that these guys ingrain themselves with the players. And I do think that there is something to the fact that your private quarterback coach is probably doing more for you 
as a player than your NFL quarterbacks coach, and maybe at some point you marry those two things. But and and Robert Sala is a player friendly guy. But that said, the the necessity to have to do that is what worried me a little bit. Where you're thinking, okay, this has gone far enough off the rails that we're basically bringing in a guy who can translate this stuff for him or can say it in a way that he understands it. I don't know what that is. And because you've done the due diligence on him, theoretically, you have all of the information that you need. Did that information not match up? Um, You know, they've obviously, they had some personnel, you know, an incredibly unfortunate situation where their quarterback coach died before the start of the season. So maybe you just needed extra people in the room. But that said, it's like, okay, where is he at? Does he understand what we're trying to do here? And can he get a graduate degree in this system after year two? I think we've seen a lot of these quarterbacks take to the outside zone revolution pretty quickly. Um, From everything that I understand about the offense, I mean, all NFL offenses are complex, but like, you know, this one, it it limits, there are rules, but as soon as you learn the rules, it, it kind of limits your decision-making, right? And it's supposed to narrow stuff down for you. I don't know if that necessarily happened for Zach. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that got kind of undersold about Zach was, like, coming out of BYU, I don't know. It it, it it took a long time for things to, like, click during like during actual plays. But, you know, when all your offensive linemen are you know, damn near 30 years old playing against, you know, guys in their young 20s, it's, it kind of works out. Is that still true? Yeah, those guys. Okay, not like thirty years old, but I think like the the, <laughs> BY, the tackle that uh the Panthers drafted Brady Christensen. I think he was like twenty five year old rookie. So yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, I don't know. It, it, it was like okay, he's getting time to sit there and make these throws, but like how fast is he actually like processing what's going on down the field? And I think that that's a question that I still have for him, uh, going into year two because I don't know, like I, I that Patriots game that they play at MetLife is still burned into my head where, you know, he's like basically just throwing the ball straight to Patriots defenders down the field. I'm like, what are you looking at, dude? So I guess that's something that you, obviously you don't want to see him throwing four interceptions in the game, but I think just in general, having a better feel for what's going on. Uh, and maybe it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Maybe it does, but that's got to be like priority number one for them. Yeah, that was uh it was terrifyingly Darnold-ish. The, uh, the the <laughs> performance against the Patriots. Uh, yeah. I just I, I, I just kind of wonder. Uh, it seemed like he just had flashes of panic out on the field. Like it's one thing to process. Obviously, you have to process while you're dealing with uh, all the chaos around you. And it seemed like there were just like a half dozen times every game where he just had like a completely unnecessary moment of panic. Where I don't know if he was hearing footsteps. I I, I don't know what the deal is, but he just kind of. I don't know, forgot how to throw a football momentarily and just, you know, fired it to no place in particular, sometimes directly into the turf, sometimes directly into a defender's chest. But, uh, you know, (laughs) maybe you grow out of those things. I I don't remember. Obviously, the ceiling with any traits quarterback is going to be like, well, you know, Josh Allen wasn't very good his rookie year. But I feel like Josh Allen's rookie year, he was a little erratic mechanically, but he didn't seem... He didn't seem overwhelmed by the speed of the game. Zach seemed like overwhelmed by what was going out, going on out on the field. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I went to OTAs during his first rookie practice, and I was thinking to myself, and you know, if I had clo- you know, I went there thinking if I 
if I didn't know the numbers, right, which of these quarterbacks would I think was the number two overall pick in the draft? And it was Mike White by a large margin. I mean, and I, I just think Zach still has those moments. And um, when I went to OTAs this year, you saw him, CJ Uzoma, they brought in from Cincinnati, and he was almost like, doing some sort of live therapy, you know, during some of these drills where he was like, okay, come on, like, you know, we can do this faster or we can do this better or pick your head up. And like, maybe he just needs a lot of this, you know, maybe he doesn't just look like a child Disney star, but maybe he is as young as a child Disney star. Maybe he just needs a, maybe Zach Wilson is actually 15 and we don't know about it. That's my secret take. Well, that would, well, that would make a couple other things problematic. But, yeah, um, a lot of yeah. a lot of things problematic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, week would, uh, this week would have ended up on Law and Order SVU. If that was yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> Let's quickly move on to Trey Lance. Uh, yeah, this Trey Lance thing is is heartbreaking. Uh, I uh, I liked the Texans' performance last year, uh, but I feel like I only liked it relative to the Cardinals game, which was, I think that Cardinals game was like my least favorite game by any offense uh, ever, where wow. they just rolled out. It was like Kyle Shannon just dipped back to like the Washington playbook and was like, all right, we're just going to run a bunch of read option. And Lance didn't look comfortable and his lineman wow. didn't look comfortable. I mean, they had no idea what he was doing in front of them. Uh, and they ended up, I, they, they had so many penalties that game just based yeah, on. Yeah, they got a lot of penalties. He scrambled they, a lot. I, I just yeah. watched the game like last week. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they, they had no idea where he was. They had no idea where he was. And like, I, I think one of the underrated things about like those types of offenses, I don't think it's like hard installing the plays, but like you still need to practice them a lot. Mm-hmm. And if, if you have like a, a finite amount of practice time in a week and Trey is just popping up, like, all right, I got to start this game. I mean, I don't. We probably don't have the timing down on these plays to actually get them to work, uh, because there's a lot of like leaving guys unblocked, working to the second level, and it's kind of hard to do that if you're working with a quarterback like Jimmy, who's never going to be running those plays. So that was that. I, I kind of gave them a little bit of like, ah, I don't really know what you can do about that. That just needs more time. But the funniest part to me about the first start that Trey had was he was throwing that ball like 200 miles per hour yeah. like on every single play. I was like, slow down, Randy Johnson. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? You're, like, you're trying to break fingers out here. Like, there was one play, uh, I think it was one of the first passes he threw. He was throwing, uh, like I think it was like a little curl route to Muhammad Sanu or something, mm-hmm. and he fired that ball so fast that I, he, like, Muhammad couldn't even get his hands up to catch it. Goes right behind him, and Buda Baker somehow was able to hold on to it for an interception. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. But you got to be able to, you know, tone it down a little bit. So I don't know. I, I, me and Connor, we were talking about this yesterday when we recorded the exemplus. Like, I don't really know how to feel about a guy that's played three football games since 2019. Like he because he had the yeah. one game uh, at North Dakota State, which didn't go well for him. Which I wasn't really concerned about because there was a whole season prior to work that looked a lot better than that. But then you know you played two games last season, and then I, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of the offense than he actually was. But then you know. By halfway through the season, he was basically just out of it entirely. So I don't really know what to expect here. I feel like you're going to get like some of a trade-off between we're losing the experience that Jimmy brought, but at the same time, we're gaining something physically that we, we've we never really had here. Uh, I mean, really since like Colin Kaepernick pretty much. And I think that Trey has even higher upside than that. So uh, it, it's just like a huge wild card. I don't really know what to make of it, but I, I'm a little concerned about this guy who hasn't really played in about two years just kind of stepping into 
this NFL offense. Do you want to hear my uh, wild Trey Lance take? Yeah. Very much, yeah. I'm disappointed in him as a power runner. Like, uh, I think there were, like, probably nine or ten opportunities for him to lower his shoulder and absolutely destroy someone over the car- over the course of the Cardinals and the Texans games, and he didn't do it, like, on yeah. almost any of them. And part of me thought, God, like, wasn't that part of the deal? Like, the size, the frame, you were going to put him in advantageous rushing situations, and he was just going to scare the bejesus out of everybody. Um, but I think he kind of missed the chance to – scare the shit out of every other defensive coordinator and like i got you know kind of pushed back a lot and again i'll couch this by saying like far be it for me to discuss human toughness but um you know i just thought like the physics of trey lance would have led to more of a advantageous situation where you would plow a guy over in the secondary yeah he's not cam he's not cam mm. but at the same time like i don't know i, I think i i kind of feel the same way like I don't, I'm not expecting him to be the greatest short yard runner of all time like Cam was, but you're still a 6'4", 240. Like, come on. Hey, yeah, you're not going to be Cam, but you could be, I don't know. You could be like 80% of that, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Put your pad, you got pads on for a reason. <laughs> it hurts, but it don't hurt that bad. <laughs> that's, my, that's what my coach used to say to me. It hurts, but it doesn't hurt that bad. <laughs> Thanks, coach. Thanks. Did you play for the guy on Friday Night Lights? Is that was that your coach that was just popping no. people's shoulders back in in the middle of uh, in the no, middle? No, I, I had someone that cared about me a little bit more than that. So oh, good. Lucky. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Let's go Justin Fields here, who, I don't know, worst supporting cast in football? Maybe. History? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still all the way in on this. My my hot take is I thought Justin Fields was the best rookie quarterback last year. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, I thought just like in terms of being a guy that looked like maybe – he could just put an offense on his shoulders. I thought there were a lot of moments that he had. So, like, the two games that made me think of it were the the Steelers game on Monday Night Football and then the, the late-season Vikings game that they had on Monday Night Football, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just like it, – it, I, I felt like I was watching, like, early Cam to a degree, not in terms of, like, how physically imposing it was. Just like, man, there's a lot of good throws on these tapes that aren't getting caught by anyone or – you know, you're kind of stuck in a spot where, like, Darnell Mooney is your number one receiver and they're still here. Uh, so I, I thought that Justin Fields had, like, a really impressive year once he started getting, like, the hang of, like, how fast things move at the NFL level. And they're just, just like, all right, do it again. How about that? How about you do it again while also <laughs> learning a, another new offense with maybe even worse players around you this time? Uh, so, I, like, it's weird because I, I've, I'm i really bullish on his future, but I don't know if it's going to materialize, like, right away. We'll see what happens, but I'm still I'm the leader of the Justin Fields bandwagon. I think right now, I'm I'm not the leader of the Justin Fields bandwagon, but I fee, I view myself as sort of a an attorney on retainer for the Justin Fields fan club. In that I've I've been very vocal about the fact that he needs to request a trade for. Uh, I mean, I wrote this for the first time six games into his rookie season, <laughs> and I wrote it again before. Um, I think it was right before Memorial Day, and then all of a sudden I got pitchforks from Bears Twitter, and uh, I'm now public enemy number one. But, I mean, as a quarterback, you have to take into account – you have to really believe Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. And, like, is what they're saying to you – does that make a whole lot of sense? That, like, yeah, you're our guy. Um, Here's this, you know? And – all the Bears uh, fans are saying, "Well, you know, they, they you know, they're going to rebuild and they're going to rebuild." Quarterbacks don't survive that. Young quarterbacks don't survive these 
types of roster changeovers. And I I was wondering the other day, if you look at their offensive line, I, theoretically they're going to run some version of what the Packers ran. Uh, you know, they got Luke Getzey down there to be their offensive coordinator. Do any of those guys have experience running like pure outside zone, which is a specialty set of moves and steps? Like are any I, of these guys outside zone you- linemen? I think you could even cut that question short. Do any of these guys have experience? Yes. Like, <laughs> I know, I've seen Cody Whitehair play some good football. What about the other guys? Who's Larry Borum? Really, like, That's who's it. That? I, it's, it's, it's four new starters, right? It, I, and new start, like, haven't started anywhere. Yeah. Did I miss, I a, a, did I miss a Lucas Patrick uh, revival at some point? No, I don't think so. I have a buddy... Who's a Bears fan? He's like, well, we drafted all these guys, dude. Like, they're sixth and seventh round picks. What are you talking about? Like, I, yeah, it, it was. They're, they're, I, I am just kind of baffled at what the Bears did this offseason. And I, I know that they didn't have a lot of picks, but you know, if you're going to come out here and say we believe in Justin Fields, we believe in Justin Fields, and honestly, like, I think he gave you enough on tape last year to to justify that that thought. Why are you spending two first round picks on DBs? Like, yeah, you need on DBs, but. That's not the most important thing that you have going on right now. It was just a weird, a, a weird set of priorities that the Bears showed this year. I think it it's kind of gonna screw them in the in the near future, maybe the long term. Because like because like Connor said, like it's hard to power through these situations when you're uh, a young quarterback, and then these teams are they're liable to just discard you before you even get done. So uh, the, the Bears like maybe maybe the Bears are just like all right, 2020, 2022 doesn't matter. We're in the game for 2023 when we have our picks back and we have cap space, but still, like just punting a year of Justin Fields' development it seems a bit rash to me. I mean, look at what, and this is, you know, part part of Carson Wentz's problems are obviously on Carson, but when the Eagles essentially went to a full on hero ball offense, it really screwed up his development. Like, really screwed up his development. Who's to say that that can't happen to Justin? I, I think he's going to have to, I don't know. I think he's going to have to make some pretty ugly decisions in the pocket, you know, pretty soon in the year. I mean, are they starting a fifth round pick at left tackle at this point? Braxton right Jones. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that that's the plan, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know, man. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, statistically, right? So you have a fifth round pick, six, two six round picks and a seventh round pick that you drafted this year at offensive line. One or two of those guys are going to hit one, maybe <laughs> two are going to be adequate, right? Yeah. Like add it. And then the bears will point to that person and be like, Oh yeah, the strategy worked. Like you can get good offensive linemen on the cheap, but I don't know. I mean, outside zone when it's not blocked well is hideous. And I don't know, man. I don't know if, I, I don't know. Oh, I know it's, it's going to be bad. I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to declare that right now. I know I, I've put into my crystal ball of failure. Justin Fields, number one on that list. I just want him to be in Pittsburgh so bad. No, want- no, no, no. What we no? need is for him to tank again this year. <laughs> Who cares what happens to Mariota and Ritter? And then I can finally get what I wanted, which is I wanted the Falcons to take Justin Fields fourth last year. Ah. But if if he if he's bad again this year and Ryan Poles and his little goatee are feeling the heat about what's going to happen for his future, maybe he's like, oh, I need to get my own quarterback we get Justin Fields for a second round pick, and then I have everything. I have Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields. Mm. That's what I'm looking for. It's all coming up, Charles. Yep. Well, I mean, I deserve something. We'll get to it later, but something. Come on now. 
Justin Fields is like exhibit A for abolish the draft. When yeah. we start, when, and when we, I mean like me and Connor, and that's it. Start having this conversation like 2029 about uh, finally getting rid of the draft. We're going to point to Justin Fields. This is why it's not fair. Yep, and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Why, why yeah. should I be attached to someone who's out here doing that stuff on camera during the season? I've always argued, like, if they did a giant NFL signing day with all the rookies, that would be the TV would be so much better than the draft. It'd be amazing. Agreed. Yeah, and then all these fans, oh, well, what if my billionaire doesn't want to pay for all the – well, then root for another team. How about that? <laughs> Every, it, it was so funny. I mean, I wrote – when the, in the Justin Fields thing, I was I, – I basically said, like, the NFL needs a transfer portal where you can – if you don't like where you're drafted, if you see that where this is going, you can just leave. And fans were like, yeah, but, like, if we have a shitty owner, then all of the players are going to leave our team. And I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's what's supposed to happen, and then your owner will yeah. get less shitty. Like, you know, it, this is how it's supposed to work. Right. You guys, you, guys, you guys don't want actual competition. You want everything handed to you. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no handouts in sports. Spend that money. <laughs> You think the Warriors got good because they're cheap? No. Because they're willing to spend billions and billions of dollars on that stuff. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could rant about the people who are like, oh, what about competition, the fairness of it? With, if you get rid of the draft, well, you know, maybe your team should try harder. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mac Jones, uh, where do we fall with him? I guess ceiling. He's fine. Like, I fine. don't know. He, feel okay with Mac Jones on a rookie contract as your as your quarterback what's what's the ceiling here the end of last season wasn't very good I, I don't know if I well I, I guess I feel different about Mac in the sense that the floor is a lot higher than I thought it was because mm-hmm. I mean he can he can come in there and be competent for you but you know even with the season that he had last year I would still probably take just like Trevor Trey Justin over him just because I, I feel better about like what that can be in the future. It's just more about like, all right, we have Mac. He's probably going to cap out at like, to me at least, like a B-level quarterback. Is that good enough to get us where we need to be moving forward? But at least you know he's not a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little worried that the Patriots have put like a really slow offense around him outside of Taquan Thornton. They, and he's like a rookie second round receiver who I think was kind of a surprise even being picked that high. So, you, you you got rid of Nikhil Harry, which I guess kind of makes your offense a little faster by uh, default. <laughs> but <laughs> but like you know, you're still dealing with Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Like these guys aren't 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 stars. And I thought that maybe they would do a little bit more, but maybe they're hoping that they can tap into the Johnny Smith bucket that they weren't able to touch like at all last year. Uh, Max Fine, I think he's he's just going to be one of these guys that's like super supporting cast dependent. And that's kind of like your st- that sets your ceiling for the season, uh, and I feel like the Patriots—they've just put something that's like fine around it. Not great, not bad, just it's fine. I I wonder if, like, let's say, like the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl two years ago, basically like running duo all through the playoffs and just hammering people up the gut, and Tom Brady playing really sound ball control football and knowing where to go with the football, and not make a ton of mistakes. I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady, but if you set up that system similarly and that offense, the team structure around him continues to work, how different 
really is he? Like if he becomes like a quarterback who just masters decision-making and plays within that offense, like does he become sort of a budget clone of the person he was replacing? I could see that. And Charles Raisin in... It, it's fascinating how they built this off. I mean, they went, they had Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers who are not going to run past anyone. And then they went out and traded for Devonte Parker. And, uh, and like you said, they, they have Thornton. They still have Nelson Aguilar. I, I, I don't know what you do with those guys besides say like, well, just run straight downfield, uh, Tory Smith style. And we'll see if we can figure something out here. But, uh, it feels like everything's just going to be played, uh, between like the line of scrimmage and like 12 yards upfield. And that's weird, but maybe it works. And then you re-sign Julian Edelman, and you let him do the <laughs> you let him do the reverse wide receiver pass every now and then, and then it's cool. Everything's fine. Yeah, I just I I'm interested to see if they let him throw the ball a little bit more than they did towards the end of the season last year because they kind of pulled the ball out of his hands, and I was like, mm, how do they actually feel about Mac Jones? But they should they should feel fine for where they got him in the draft. You know, it's good. Enough. Yeah. Would you, if you could do it all over again and you're the 49ers, and obviously you are in a championship window, do you go back and kind of say, oh, well, you know, Mac Jones would have been fine. Mac Jones would have been uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo plus, uh, and that's that's what we needed to basically get back to the Super Bowl every third year. Um, No, I still wouldn't take Mac third. I don't know. It, it's just it's not offering enough to me like long term. And I, honestly, like, I, if I if I had Jimmy, I don't really see the point of taking Mac. Like, I'll, I'd rather like I, I can just extend Jimmy on you know a decent contract because not like he's going to be this guy that's commanding forty plus yeah. million dollars a year. So I, I would like I would have honestly. I think that if you're not going to take a quarter, if you're not going to take Lance at that spot or Justin Fields. Maybe you just don't take a quarterback at all, but they they already traded up there. I just don't think that Mac makes a whole lot of sense for for them, and also for the offense too. I don't think like it's not like Mac's like this guy you even want like moving out of the pocket all that much. Because uh, I think even Jimmy's a little bit more mobile than him, but I think Mac might be a better thrower of the football. I think that's an interesting version of the question for the Jets too, right? Especially if you're Robert Sala and you're picking in front of the guy. Like, you have the number two pick. You're not letting anybody trade up to get it. It's clear you're trading Sam Darnold. Everyone knows who you're going to pick. And then once everyone knows who you're going to pick, your old boss trades up right behind you enthusiastically to get somebody after you. It's like, doesn't that, if you're Robert Sala, scare the shit out of you? You know? And that draft probably ends up, you know, the the decisions made at the quarterback position in this draft are going to end up claiming so many jobs at the end of the day. It's uh, it's going to be really, you know, and, and you wonder who's going to end up making the right decision there. And Mac might have been the safer outside of Trevor Lawrence is probably the safest pick. But like we said, this is sort of a this is a ceiling argument as much as it is anything else. Mm-hmm. Davis Mills. Moved himself into this conversation. He's the uh, sixth guy here. He was uh, decent in the second half of last year. I mean, considering how bad he was in his first couple of starts, it looked like it. It looked like it weren't going to be able to put him on the field anymore. But uh, he ended up being all right in the second half of the year. Erratic, like way more. Uh, it's funny. I, I think. 
I think Kenny Pickett's a lot like him. <laughs> I think it's just two guys who are just yeah. unnecessarily uh, erratic, but it kind of works out most of the time. And then you're just efficient enough to uh, to be able to build an offense around uh, as long as the supporting gas is good. I don't, I don't know. Davis Mills is just weird. Kenny Pickett's weird. It's just weird guys. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I'm, if I was a Texans fan, I'd be like, Cool, we got this in the third round. Like, I'll take that every yeah. time. Kenny, yep. Kenny's a, fr- a first round pick. I don't see. I don't know how mm. how how, how thrilled you're gonna be about that as a Steelers fan moving on. But like for a third round pick, I think what Davis Mills did last year was a very pleasant surprise. I mean, you're at least in a situation where you didn't have to force it this year at quarterback because it's not like there were that many options for you to choose from anyway. Certainly not. You know, number four that was <laughs> that was there previously uh, before Davis Mills. So. You know, I I I I don't, I don't really know because for Davis Mills to me, it's not like there's any like one defining trait that is like okay, like this is something you can build around. I think like by the end of the season, uh, he and Pep Hamilton like they did a good job coming together and just being like, all right, we got a better grasp on the offense. We can kind of run these plays uh, with a greater ability than we did before, and maybe he just becomes like that guy that has like no standout traits, but. It, it still works at the end of the day. Uh, I'm actually really interested to see how this works because Pep got the uh, he got the promotion to offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in the in the coaching coaching switch. A little, <laughs> little I, I think I think switch is a little strong of a word. Uh, just w- whatever they did at head coach uh, this past off season. So uh, I'm 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 tentatively interested to see what Davis Mills does because. I like to joke with my Jaguars buddies that the Jaguars have the second best rookie quarterback in the AFC South. Uh, I don't actually, I don't actually believe that, but it's a good way to kind of trigger people because I think that David <laughs> Davis Mills was a he was a, he was a lot better than I thought he was going to be last year. And honestly, like by the end of the season, like I don't know if he was playing good football, but he was certainly playing like really efficient football. Uh, yeah, and that's as good a place to start as any, especially when you're talking about someone who kind of had no expectations coming into it based on where he was picked. I think the less that we notice Davis Mills, the better, right? Like, I think we thought you're going to put a rookie third round pick into this complete chemical fire of a situation that they have on this roster. And the fact that we didn't really notice, I think, was good, right? He played adequate, <laughs> traitless football. You know? like, <laughs> traitless it was like, football is awesome. Uh, and okay, you know, uh, I, I don't know what this means for the future. Texans fans are going to get mad at me for saying this, which is fine because they're, they're, it's like a very sensitive little group of people. Um, but there is still a plan with this organization that we have no idea what it is. And for you to believe otherwise is just criminally wrong on your part. If you think that this, if, this group right now is is jovial and ready to build around Davis Mills and Lovey Smith. You are out of your goddamn mind. I'm sorry. Like, and I feel bad for Lovey Smith too. And I'm actually shocked. I mean, Gary, you and I, uh, I made a bet that said that if the Texans did anything outwardly to help Lovey Smith in the draft, I would buy a pool in my backyard, fill it with pudding, and swim in it after the draft. And I guess they drafted Derek Stingley, so I do owe the Texans a little bit of a pudding swim, but. Uh, I well, don't... I, I think I think you should wait on that because <laughs> this is the same guy that had Revis playing cover two every snap. True, not uh, too long ago. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, you know 
But I'm happy for Davis Mills, who has, if nothing else, secured himself a very long and lucrative career as a fringe, like, you know, what Andy Dalton is now, which is great. Like, it's it's really good to be that. It's the best. Pays a lot of money. Pays a lot of money. <laughs> you get to see the country. Mm-hmm. Um, randomly, fans will be like, yeah, you know what? Our rookie's not playing well. Let's see what Andy Dalton's got, you know? And, and Davis Mills will be that, and it'll be awesome. They timed it. And like you said, Connor, I don't think this was a plan. Uh, I think they were throwing uh, crap against the wall, and it just sort of worked out this way. But they ended up timing it really nicely. There was no one you were going to take in the top five last year among the quarterbacks. Uh, so you kind of end up with this thing where it's like, yeah, all right, well, we'll we'll run it back with Davis Mills, and we'll see maybe we caught lightning in a bottle. Uh, I don't think there's – I don't know, like, I would have taken Malik Willis uh, first among the quarterbacks. I, I – Whatever, if it's you know not your cup of tea coming out of that offense, uh, I understand that. I think Davis Mills probably. I mean, he goes in front of Kenny Pickett. He he goes in front of the other guys in that draft class, and then it's just a question stylistically of whether you want to play the Malik Willis ceiling or uh, the Davis Mills. You know, kind of uh, might be pretty good. Do you think if he had another solid season at Stanford last year, that he? is in the conversation as a top five pick in 2022. I don't think top five. I think first round. Uh, yeah. But well, there are rumors he could have gone in the first round, like after he hidden hit the draft. Like, yeah. I, mean, I think around the combine, they were like, oh, Davis Mills might be a first round pick. One of my shit least happened. favorite moments of the post combine thing, where you start hearing all this random shit about quarterbacks that you didn't put any work in on, and it's <laughs> <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> like two years. Uh, what was it? Two years ago, it was like, oh, Kyle Trask. Let's start talking about Kyle Trask, and I was like, no, no I'm done. I so. I'm exhausted. Yeah, enough. I I remember like when the Davis Mills stuff start popping up i'm like that's too bad i'm just never gonna know what he's like until he gets to the nfl (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not about to sit here and grind through these stanford games are you kidding me there's already five guys this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. 
But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right. Speaking of exhausting, let's uh, let's delve into the state of the Falcons at this point. Charles McDonald is, by the way, the I, I'm going to s- just proclaim you to be the foremost authority on the Atlanta Falcons, and that's yeah. Uh, I, I just I just did Sarah Spain's show last night talking about the Falcons. So I, it's like I guess I'm <laughs> I guess I'm the Falcons guy now. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, how are there multiple podcasts uh, out that don't cover the Falcons full time? How are there multiple national podcasts? doing shows on this Atlanta Falcons team because they were uh, they were the worst seven-win team in NFL history last season, and now Matt yeah. Ryan is gone. Uh, and I, the, the funny is not the word, but the kind of funny thing is, like, if you were to run down this roster, like, if you did the power rankings of, like, players to be excited about on the roster, and you were like, Kyle Pitts, A.J. Terrell, and you'd be kind of like, yeah, this sounds pretty good. And then it's like, Grady Jarrett, like, all right, yeah, okay. And then after that, it's I, it's Chris <laughs> Lindsay. Or Daryl Patterson. I, yeah, I, I, Come on it's, now. <laughs> it's brutal. It's awful. Like, they're terrible. Like, I, I remember, so last night, Sarah told me that she was like, uh, Harry Douglas, who, you know, longtime Falcons receiver, mm-hmm. uh, he said that he's projecting eight or nine wins. I'm like, Harry, what are you talking about, dude? Like, <laughs> over the next three seasons? <laughs> yeah, like if we could hit nine wins by 2024, I think we'd be hitting in the heading in the right direction. I mean, nine total wins, yeah. Uh, but uh, like you said, the worst seven win team in NFL history last season. They they were really really horrendous last year, and like I don't know if people who are like projecting them to do better have actually like. One, seeing who they beat last year. Uh, I'm just looking at the wins right now. The Giants, Jets, Dolphins, 
Uh, they beat the Saints in Trevor Simeon's first start there. They barely beat the Jaguars. They beat the Panthers. And then they barely beat Tim Boyle in the Detroit Lions like, at the end of the season. So Oof. it's a really bad – it was a really, really bad season for them. And it's funny because like, when you go back and look at the teams that were actually quality that they played, uh, they lose the first game to Philadelphia 32-6. to Week two, they go to Tampa 48-25. to They get blown out by the Cowboys 43-3. to They lose to England 25 to nothing. They beat they lose Tampa Bay again, 30 to 17, and get blown out by the 49ers two weeks later. Like anytime they played a team that had some semblance of like competency, they got destroyed. Uh and you know, they barely squeaking by these teams that ended up picking out the top of the draft. So I thought last season going into the year, that was like the least talented roster that Matt Ryan had played on. He did just enough where they could squeak by and look like kind of respectable in the win column by the end of the season. But that team was terrible. And they didn't get like I think they made some improvements, but they didn't get better to the point where it's like this isn't this should still be a team that's projected to pick like top three or four in the draft next season. Uh, the offensive line was probably the worst unit in the league last year, and they made absolutely zero moves on that except picking uh, Justin Schaefer, the wrong UGA offensive lineman in the sixth round of the draft, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a couple of months ago. So I'm 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 at the point where it's like, can you get on NFL red zone? That's all I'm hoping for for the Falcons <laughs> this year. Can you get on red zone? Because, look, I think on paper, like, it's a fun Madden offense. You got Mariota, CPAT, uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Like, you can score some points on a video game there. I think it's going to be a lot tougher in real life. But uh, they have, like, just enough players where they might be, like, interesting to watch, like, three or four times this year. But for the whole, it's really bad. Uh, and I think even last year – as good as AJ Terrell was, and I think he was like objectively one of the five best corners in the league. It's still just him like putting out an endless number of fires for yeah. the entire game. And Grady Jarrett, they he, he had nothing beside him the entire season on the defensive line. Like they've got some more pieces with uh, they drafted Arnold Evitketti, they signed Eddie Goldman, so there's like a little bit more than they had before. But overall, this team still has, like, no talent for the most part. The, the highs are really high, I think, with Kyle Pitts and A.J. Terrell, who are, like, legitimately elite at their position. And then you're you're falling off, like, the steepest cliff that you can possibly find after that. And it, it's going to be a rough season. So, look, Harry, Douglas, respect you. Great time watching you with the Falcons. But eight or nine if 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 they win nine games, I'm declaring it now. I'll print off a Harry Douglas tweet and eat it. How about that? Man. If they win nine games. Wow. I was That's how confident say, I am. I was going to say join uh, join Connor in the pudding pool. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll no, go I'm with not, that. I, well, I, I'm not going to swim pudding, but I'll eat a piece of pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want some pudding. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, no, I'm I, I'm with you. And I, I just don't understand. I don't know. From your perspective, what do you make of the kind of unceremonious departure of Matt Ryan, I think to me has the potential to be one of the dumbest moves by a franchise. Because like you said, Matt Ryan is still putting up adequate numbers with consistently trash offenses. I'm not ready to lump him in with the best of the best. I mean, he had his best year in the NFL. Yeah. He's over the hill. Yeah. But some of these guys still play effective playoff level football just by manufacturing first downs and getting the ball off uh, down the field like i think there's a chance he actually has a really good year in indianapolis and atlanta looks incredibly stupid by 
doing this no, whole thing. No, they already did look stupid. Yeah. And the way that the whole thing went down. Oh, we're on the one-yard line trading for Deshaun Watson. Doesn't happen. And then you have Matt Ryan's like, ah, well, I don't want to. I don't want to stay here. Like, why, the, why the hell do I want to stay here? You guys are losing. You tried to get me out of here for someone like 30 uh, allegations against them. Uh, and and I, I I think that I think that Matt might be the best quarterback that the Colts have tried since Andrew Luck retired in the sense that he can he he's not like as fossilized I would say as like Philip Rivers was when he got there because mm-hmm. you know Rivers when he got there basically all you could do was just like run shotgun because he wasn't like he he it was kind of like watching Ben Roethlisberger last year except with like a much higher throwing ability where, yeah. where if you run that under center stuff and you're pushing 40 years old, it might be a little bit harder to get out there and try to run like some of the boot stuff. But that's what Matt's basically been asked to do for the past five years. And even last year, like he's still getting to a point where you know that they played the Saints in New Orleans. And he juked out Demario Davis twice in that game. So it's not like he's this guy who, who really can't move at all. I think it's going to open up the playbook for them a lot. And for Matt's benefit, this is, the best offensive line that he's played behind in quite some time. Like if it's not 2016, something like 2012 before that, when like Todd McClure was there and Michael Turner was there. Uh, I mean, Quinn Nelson, Ryan Kelly, those other guys on the line, they're going to give him a lot of time. And then uh, Frank Reich is, as we know, one of the better offensive coaches in the league. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Matt. I'm glad that he gave him the middle finger and told him to bleep off because he deserved to get treated a lot better than I think that that ended up going down. And, I think they're going to pay for it. I hope they pay for it because that was disgusting, honestly. Especially like with Matt because he's he's one of the few guys I think that you can also classify as like a good person too. Like when you go back to some of the stuff that he's done in Atlanta with just like even bringing awareness like, hey, people who are minorities are at a bigger you know, hit rate for COVID or you know, just trying to uplift communities and trying to figure out how to leave Atlanta a better place than he found it. To treat him like that on the way out was just like, ugh, this sucks. And I hope he plays a lot better next year because I still think he has a couple years left in the tank. That was like one of the big things that I took away from last season that Matt had more in the tank than I kind of thought he did. And I was kind of excited to see like what this looked like year two with Kyle Pitts and Matt in the same system, but they fumbled it as they usually do at the one yard line. <laughs> and uh, now we have Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. So... That's the Connor. I think you're higher on Marcus Mariota than I am, but I I like I like Marcus Mariota fine. I'm glad he's getting a shot somewhere, but like of all the places to land, it's like oh yeah, reuniting with the guy he was with in Tennessee. It's like it relived the magic of the 2017 Titans offense, and it's like ah, I, <laughs> we saw that it was no good. Right. Uh, I just wish he had landed somewhere. It's like we already saw that marriage doesn't work very well. I, I, I don't know. Right. I mean, we already saw him in that offense. The only, the only true way to make this work now is to complete my two thousand. What would that have been? My two thousand twelve fever dream. Have them abandon outside zone halfway through the season UCLA fires Chip Kelly because they're going to the Big Ten <laughs> Chip Kelly becomes Falcons offensive coordinator and uh, they start running 92 plays a game and they come back and just stun the world yeah, Arthur Smith and Chip Kelly what a duo that would be good God just, it, it would just it would just overwhelm you with personality yeah. you know I, I'm like kind of 
in on Mariota, and maybe this is just my buddy Justice, who's the biggest Mariota fan that I know, which is getting my ear. But that year where he was where he was terrible for the Titans, there was he did have like some nerve damage in his throwing hand, which I can imagine would make it a lot very okay. difficult to throw football. But at the same time, like it's not like he's he was setting the world on fire when he was healthy the year before that. Uh, I thought like of the pool of available quarterbacks that they had after the Matt Ryan trade went down. This was probably like their best option to get Mariota and draft a guy. My biggest fear of Mariota is, is like, is the offensive line even like close to good enough where he can get through an entire season? And I think yeah. that that is a strong no. Uh, Matt Matt has been someone over the years who's been able to take a beating, like a lot of punishment, uh, and still kind of get up and keep coming back. I don't know if that's true for Marcus, but we're going to find out because they ain't going to be blocking nobody this year. Uh, it's it's going to be a disaster from top to bottom, and I, I it like people ask me like, oh, you know, the skill players are like kind of intriguing, and I I agree with you, they are. You know, Pitts, London, CPAT, I can make a case why that would be watchable in a world where the offensive line wasn't the worst in the league last year and they did nothing to upgrade it. So it, it, it's like it's like we've been saying, the the high end talent on the Falcons is really fun and worth watching. The rest of the roster is like number one pick overall quality, so. Just get on NFL Red Zone. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> highlights, highlights, highlights. That's all I need. <laughs> they can Let's kind go get of Will like, Anderson. They can kind of be like the Thunder this year. And I don't understand basketball, but the Thunder are like led by these spaghetti men. And I feel like the Falcons <laughs> and their own very tall people can make this happen. Drake London and Kyle Pitts can be Chet Holmgren and whoever that other guy is. Yeah, their other spaghetti man. <laughs> Yeah, po- Poku. Oh, what is man. his name? Poku? I, uh, Pokashevsky? Is that how you say it? Something like that? Yeah, never heard of him. I love that dude. He's he's like seven foot three and like hundred ten pounds, and his thing is to just dribble nowhere in particular, jump in the air, and just fire a pass to to anywhere. It's like it's the equivalent of like twenty nineteen Josh Allen in like oh, an NBA game. Perfect. Have you guys seen the uh, the Falcon schedule? <laughs> no, like like I said, I think I think for national outlets, I just can't believe you've been on two Falcon centric national podcasts this week. Yeah, I got really unlucky. Um, <laughs> I mean, let me read off the first nine games of the Falcon schedule for you: versus New Orleans, at the Rams, at Seattle, versus Cleveland, at Tampa Bay, versus San Francisco, at Cincinnati, versus Carolina, and then versus the Chargers. If they can come out of that with like two wins, I think they yeah. should be good. I was gonna say two <laughs> two and seven is a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> and then and then you you run off. I'm assuming eight straight to finish the season is what. Oh uh, no! Well, you get you you get a you get Carolina, Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh. You hit your bye week fourteen, and then the close of the season is at New Orleans, at Baltimore, versus Arizona, versus Tampa Bay. So that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I I'm, I'm expecting like three or four wins. No good. <laughs> I want Will Anderson. Like my my perfect my my perfect Falcon season this year is to go two and fifteen. You beat the Saints twice. You get just enough from either Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter where you don't need to draft a quarterback, and you take Will Anderson from Alabama number one overall. Okay. I want a pass rusher. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm 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 past like oh let's build this the right way. No. No, just get get cool players, 
you had your chance. You were up 28-3. You didn't get it done. So we're abandoning the right way to do this. We're just going to get the fun players <laughs> like we do on that. How about that? We got close enough to winning. Let's just yeah, be close enough. Now. Yeah. Yes. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right, Charles, it is time for America's least favorite quiz show. That is more than four, but fewer than six questions. These are uh, uh, five questions, Charles McDonald-centric, I would call them, to varying degrees. 
But uh, uh, Connor, why don't you take the odds? I'll take the evens this week, and uh, we'll see. We, we didn't have one next. Uh, excuse me, we didn't have one last week. Uh, last time we were here, Rowan Ned Carney went perfect. Went uh, got the full six with the money ball at the end. Him and Richard Johnson are the two uh, leading scorers here. You should have come on after Albert Breer was on when he went one for <laughs> one for five. But he uh, even he got Ohio State questions wrong. It was really troubling. Wow, it was um, wild. Yeah. Um, all right, Charles. So question number one is in the category of spelling. Can you spell the word Acrisure? Oh, yeah. Because I did a lot of research on <laughs> what a scam of a company this is. A-C-R-I-S-U-R-E. Acrisure. Yes. Very good. <laughs> on the board right away. What? Is it insurance? It's something like that. It says, like, insurance and also combining data and uh you know inventions and stuff like that so i don't really know what the deal is but if you google uh acrosure and gothamist acrosure and gothamist there is a there's an interesting article about how they might have fudged around with some new jersey laws to get as rich as they are okay it's fun it just it sounds like remember when mike mccarthy was uh talking up how he's really into analytics now it it sounds like that it sounds like whatever the insurance equivalent of that is yeah, well, let me read the uh, the bio that they had that maybe that uh, sells some red alarms because I know that there's a, they were like an insurance company, but their bio on Twitter says, we combine the best of human and high tech to deliver extraordinary advantages to millions of clients. Hashtag limitless. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Hashtag limitless. What does that mean? We combine the best of human and high tech to deliver extraordinary advantages to millions of clients. Hashtag limitless. I don't know what you do. That sounds like a scam to me. <laughs> it's, it's limitless, Wasn't that though. The Russell Wilson. Uh... Yes, yeah, it was. Oh yeah. man. All right. Question number two. Uh, the category is ancient history. Julio okay. Jones caught more touchdown passes from Matt Ryan than any other player. Who caught the second most? And so for okay, okay so this is just passes from matt ryan passes from matt ryan nfl only by the way we're not going back okay. to uh, bc or anything. number two i mean there's only two possibilities it's either roddy white or tony g if i had to guess so i'm, I'm gonna go with i'm gonna go tony gonzalez no i'm sorry <sighs> was it either of them it was it was roddy white and uh. I, I we appreciate you taking uh taking the uh who wants to be a millionaire yeah. music to heart and sort of doing the uh the outer monologue here but no roddy white was uh, was correct <laughs> damn all right Perfect. i know it, roddy, roddy almost has as many touchdowns as, as julio if i recall correctly which is kind of shocking considering how much longer julio played, yeah how much higher his peak was dude just didn't score touchdowns but it's okay he's still number one in my heart <laughs> um all right i think you're gonna bounce back here uh category three is ornithology charles there are Five NFL teams with a bird mascot, which is the only one to win multiple Super Bowls? Not the Eagles. Definitely not the Falcons. I don't think the Cardinals have won one either. Uh, the Seahawks, I know they've won one. I don't think they've won two. Like, who's the fifth bird team? Uh, oh, no. No, 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 no. This is such bad radio. Uh, <laughs> Charles, <laughs> you did. You hit four of the five. I know. I don't remember the fifth one. Uh, 
Can I get a can I get a, a letter or can I get can I get a division? Uh, I I'll give I'll give you this hint. Uh, AFC team. The other the other birds are all NFC. There's one AFC team that's a bird. Oh oh oh, oh wait, oh, Ravens. The Ravens. Yeah. Duh. Baltimore yes. Ravens. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, you got I, it. I, I you know I should remember that because my literally my first favorite team ever was the 2000 uh, Ravens team and. We had like a little v- VSH or VHS of the you know Super Sports Illustrated they used to do like or maybe they still do like the season long recaps of the Super Bowl winners. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember I used to watch that all the time, and I remember my favorite part was the part where Tony Banks like got benched for Trent Dilfer, and I was like, oh, this is the turning point. This is when it gets good. I know what's about to happen next, and uh, yeah. So obviously, like I've I remember that team, and then. Uh, the team where they beat the 49ers, where the Falcons actually absolutely won and won the Super Bowl, if they could have just held on to that lead against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. But mm-hmm. it's another story for another day. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Uh, you've got two so far. Question number four. The category is music and the arts. Uh, you're an Atlanta guy, and I think there's a, a very specific genre of music that uh, we all think of when we think of Atlanta, and that is, of course, uh, according to the NFL and the Super Bowl organizers, the music of Maroon 5. (laughs) So my question for you is, how many full-time members, according to Wikipedia, are in the band Maroon 5? This, this, <laughs> you, you've asked me something that is way out of my jurisdiction. Uh, from Maroon 5, I'm going to guess three. No, I'm sorry. How many there are, there are <laughs> There are six full-time members uh, of Maroon 5. How do you not remember that Super Bowl show? Um, I did. I mean, I, well, I, look, I, I didn't. I, first of all, I didn't watch the Super Bowl show. Uh, and any, anything that's not like, you know, people that look like me making the music, it's going to be a little hard for hard for me to figure out. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I think I was in the world's longest line for the bathroom during that. I think I missed the whole thing. Yeah, I do um, remember I, I got into an argument with uh, Robert Klemko after that game because he was like, oh, dude, you had to be there. It was like just because you watched it on the broadcast – you wouldn't get how exciting it was unless you were there. I'm like, dude, I watched the game. Man, it wasn't good. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be chastised about not enjoying Jared Goff getting put into a blender for four quarters and not being able to do anything. And on the flip side, like you have one touchdown that came in the last few minutes of the game. Bad game. Robert, if you listen to this, you should still be ashamed of trying to make me feel bad for not liking that Super Bowl. Andy Benoit, who now is a Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Uh, I sat next to him during that game. And uh, uh, his narration made that game worth it for me because, and I used to have a special version of NFL European Game Pass, where oh, I had everything. I had I had everything live. I could pause live TV, I could rewind live TV, and then I could slow mo back into live TV. And um, Andy made me do that the whole game. And he was just like, this is what the Patriots are doing. This is the defense that they're running. So that made that Super Bowl bearable for me, watchable. But I wouldn't put it anywhere. I think I've seen, I think last year was my eighth Super Bowl. That wouldn't be anywhere near the top five. No chance. Yeah. Who All right. Super Bowl um, last year? Oh, the Bengals, yeah. I forgot. No, yeah. the Rams did yeah, against the Bengals, yeah. 
All right, so big one here. Uh, number five, the category is uh, potent potables, and this is the Moneyball question where you can get it's up to what? two points. What's the category? Potent potables. Oh, okay. <laughs> I right. know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, where is Charles at now? Uh, he's got two, so he can uh, he can jump to four here. Uh, he's avoided Breardom. Right. Yeah. We got to come up with a different name for that. There's got to be some sort of shame. Eh, do we? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Can tie uh, both Peter King and Jenny Vrentis, a very respectable tier of yes. our all-time standings. Uh, okay, so Moneyball, Potent Potables. Uh, Charles, your question is, two quarterbacks in NFL history have gone to the Super Bowl as second-year quarterbacks and also first-year starters. Can you name one of the two? And obviously get bonus points if you can name two of the two. All right. Well, the first one's Mahomes. That's one, right? Second year, second year in the league, first year starter, Super Bowl. Or no, 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 no. Because he hit it. Because no, because they lost to the Patriots his first year. And in the he, saved mm-hmm. okay. he saved it. He saved it. Saved it. <sighs> the monologue is allowed. It's not Jeopardy. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. So if it's not Mahomes. Going to see the Burrow doesn't count, does he? Because are, I'm be talking. Are we talking full season? Yeah, first year. First year. So, so he'd be a second year starter. Second, okay, second so that still counts as second year. Okay. Um, wow. I really don't want to end on on two points. Uh, that would be really really bad for me. Uh, How about? Can I give? Can I give him a hint? Is Colin Kaepernick? No, is Colin Kaepernick one? Colin Kaepernick is one. Yes. Okay. Um, and for the second one, man, is that like. The, how old was McNabb when they went to the NFC Championship game? Was that his second year? No, no he had a couple years. No, that was, that was like. Year, going that was like year four the, or five for him. Yeah. All I got is. Uh, all, all I got on top of my head is, is Kaepernick. That is it. That's that earns you the money ball. That gets you the Solid. four. The other quarterback have... was Kurt Warner. Yeah, I was never gonna get that. <laughs> my right, hint. Four would you have gotten it if my hint was going to be before you guessed Colin Kaepernick that both of these players had uh, documentaries or movie films made about their life? Would that? Um, oh yeah. I that definitely have gotten Kurt Warner for me, but that would have thrown me off the scent of Colin Kaepernick because I don't remember a Kaepernick documentary. Oh wait, no, he had a TV show. No, he did a thing on Netflix, right? Yeah, Yeah. the Netflix show. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I haven't haven't seen it. Uh, I have not either. No, but I I was I was like going (laughs) in my head. I was like thumbing year after year after year who were were the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and I I think I I died at McNabb. Well, I was ready to shout you down at Mahomes. I thought that was going to be your your yeah. guess. No, Stop, no. no. But then I, I remember something wasn't right. I was like, no, because he, like, he had he had, a, he had a blunder before that. And honestly, it wasn't even that. It was just Frank Clark was offsides. Shit happens. Yeah, that's all I got. Four points. Not the Very worst. Respectable. Very respectable. Yeah. 
The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.